Welcome to Building Charleston, a podcast where we shine a bright light on the dynamic companies changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine, and as your host each week, I'll be bringing you the most interesting business owners in the Lowcountry. We'll explore how they got to where they are, what they're working on, and what their vision is for the future of Charleston. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused on Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, looking to open a new location, or opening the first location in the Charleston area, give Lane Commercial Real Estate a call at 843-508-3038 or go to the website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Building Charleston podcast, the podcast where we take a moment each week to meet the leaders changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine. I'm the host of Building Charleston and the broker in charge at Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Lowcountry's premier commercial real estate company representing Charleston's office, industrial, and retail tenants with their commercial leases. We are recording this podcast on October 3rd, 2019, from the offices of Lowcountry Local First on Meeting Street here in Charleston. Charleston is a city with a lot of locally owned business, which is in part motivation for me to create this podcast, the Building Charleston podcast. Today's guests are the foundation of where business growth and local businesses come together. One of today's guests is the membership manager at Low Country Local, that's C.T. Burton. The other guest is the community manager at Low Country Local, that's Steve Fletcher. C.T. and Steve, welcome to the Building Charleston podcast. Thanks for having us, Matt. This is great. Thanks. Well, it's, uh, it's good to have you here. We're going to start off with just some some high level stuff. If I am a podcast listener and I'm saying to myself, "Boy, what is Low Country Local First?" You wouldn't mind taking a stab and telling the listeners what it's all about. Low Country Local First was founded in 2007, so a little bit over a decade. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We cultivate an economy that's anchored in local ownership. We believe that local independent businesses are what makes our community so unique. We love every day being the biggest advocate for our local business owners in our community. Very cool. Beautiful. I Literally nothing to add to that. We're perfectly articulated. Well, we're starting off on a hot streak then. So we'll dive in, get a little bit more granular. CT, you're the membership manager and the partnership manager here at Low Country Local First. If you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and, and, and how you got to be here at Low Country Local First. Yeah, I love sharing this story. I actually have my own event business that I started back in 2016. I was at a event or a group called One Million Cups in okay. Charleston. And I met Larry Downey, who was our past community manager. And he mentioned to me after talking a few times about a really great opportunity that um, they were hiring for an engagement coordinator at the time. And I said, Larry, I just started my business. I've gotten some great projects off the ground. I don't know if I'm looking right now to work for another company. But after some thought, I was like, you know what? I have bills to pay. Let me take this great opportunity. Some things like this just don't happen. Mm -hmm. And I applied and I've been with the company for almost two years now. 
I love what I do every day. It's a job that I get paid for to basically talk to people, find out what their needs are in their own businesses. I call myself a relationship connector and I enjoy it. I can ask to work for a better organization. That's great. Yeah, so sometimes opportunity knocks and we don't have the vision to, to answer the door, but it sounds yes. like the opportunity knocked and you went for it. You've been pretty happy with it since. Yeah. Every, every organization uh, needs more than one person to keep the ship going forward. Steve, if you would mind telling us a little bit about uh, your, your background, how you got here and your role here at Low Country Local First. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. So my path to this seat I'm currently in right now for mm-hmm. me, Matt, is kind of a weird one, kind of a circuitous one. Those are the fun um, ones. Those are, those are the fun ones. I have done a lot of different things in a lot of different sectors. And so I've been interested in music as a musician. I've performed music. I've found that being a musician is entrepreneurial in its own way. I've been a freelancer in San Diego when my wife was pursuing her MFA in San Diego. So I was out there kind of learning the ropes of running your own operation. In Charleston, I worked for a small business called Match6 Social, where I was a content strategist. I was there during the beginning, nascent stages of Match6 Social, setting up on King Street. And I've always been driven to that kind of early stage of a business pursuit or an artistic pursuit or a creative pursuit. And I think they're especially interesting when they're tied to a locally owned, small to medium-sized business. I have really enjoyed living in Charleston. I've been here for seven years now. I went back to school to get my MPA at the College of Charleston, which was a big life pivot for me. I was very much invested in the private sector. I had worked in New York City, again, was in San Diego doing freelance PR and marketing work. But I decided I wanted to invest a little bit more of my time and energy into the public sector. So I learned a little bit more about nonprofit management, learned a little bit more about municipal government management. One thing led to another, and I decided, well, is there a way for me to find a position and a role in an organization where all of these worlds and sectors line up and intersect? And I ended up seeing a position open up here at Low Country Local First, and it's a nonprofit that works with for-profits in a lot of ways. And so it just blew my mind that something like this exists in Charleston, a city that I've grown to love. And it just made sense. It was a totally natural fit, and the team's been amazing. So I've been here for only four months now, but look forward to hopefully many more if they'll have me. Good, good. Well, you know, the theme of, of Low Country Local First is local, and I see that as being a theme for, you know, a lot of our conversation. You know, to me, as I come down here and, and I see, you know, locals, there's a local element at every, you know, every city, every town across the country. But here it's just so much more intense. Being local is a badge of honor. People really frequent locations just because they're local. They don't like going to the national chains. They, they really just embrace local, supporting the people around them. So let me ask you and get your take on it. Why is local such a big thing here in Charleston? Yeah, I love what you said about a local badge of honor. I love that. I think it speaks to also our mission. Once you join Low Country Local First, you get a badge that says that we have certified you local. Mm-hmm. And people do take pride in knowing that I'm a local business and then I'm also supporting a local business owner. I love that. I definitely think in our community and even when you travel throughout the country, local has become this buzzword that people are using in billboards, they're using in marketing, and it's great. But I love to say that LLF has really steered that. Um, With doing the research, we've talked to our own members about 
what things that they need in their own businesses and sharing that to the community to explain why it's such an important thing for you in your everyday business or your personal life to support those local businesses in our community. I think that we have really helped to shape what economic development and growth looks like for our community. Um, And we find that local businesses, that we do create more jobs than national chains. Um, You're supporting your neighbor. You're going to church or your kids are going to school with these local owners. Um, You have to remember there's a multiplier effect. These local business owners are literally working every day, sometimes with their own personal money that they've started. It's a great thing to know who those people are. And many times it, as a national business, you might not meet the owner. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what makes our community unique. I can go into Addison online and I know John is there and he knows my name. Or I can go to Verde and I know when I go shop, I'm supporting not only Jennifer and her husband's business, but I'm supporting the amazing crew that they have that are also local. So just to shout out those two. Yeah, (laughs) for for such a big growing community, it still has that really small feel to it when you get down to the local level. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the topics that are facing local owners? If I'm a local owner here, we talked a little bit about flooding worker retention. What are some of the hot button issues that the local businesses are facing here in Charleston? Well, I think one big one is flooding Mm -hmm. issues surrounding flooding of all types. Sunny day flooding is an issue that is in very many ways unique to Charleston. This idea that when the tide gets high, major roads are become impassable. And so these sorts of challenges have concentric circles of negative effects for businesses, for local inhabitants. It's important for folks who live here and want Charleston to grow positively and want for the area to flourish to think about really actionable ways to mitigate the negative impacts of flooding. That's just a big one. And it's top of mind for me because a couple months ago, we actually had a flooding mitigation plan creation business workshop here in the local workspace, which is kind of our center of operations for Low Country Local First. We had a bunch of our Low Country Local First members who were interested in nailing down a more concrete plan for when flooding happens and when those waters get higher and maybe the water's encroaching or maybe there's an emergency preparedness plan that isn't quite buttoned up the way it should be. And so for that next natural disaster, whether it's flooding related or not, does the manager know what to tell her or his employees and when to do that? And do they know the the County of Charleston's kind of opcon measures and how to align with that appropriately? And to deploy these plans effectively so that not only are all of the business workers of these local businesses safe and accounted for, but also our business operations able to move along unhindered. Can we keep sales numbers up? Can we keep all of our numbers where they should be in the midst of these natural disasters? So living on a peninsular city in a lot of areas under sea level Flooding is a major topic and a major challenge for local businesses, and we see that coming up time and again, and we like to present as much as we can a helpful platform for businesses to be able to think creatively about long-term solutions to flooding. Okay. My next question was, how does Low Country Local help the business owners with these challenges? But I think you jumped up and you, you answered it <laughs> sure. in, in, in the same breath. So. Uh, Yeah, good job. And so we are about a thousand today. So let me ask this. How do local companies compete and beat the national companies here in the Charleston area? I find that especially goes back to stats and I hate to throw out stats there, but Mm -hmm. that's part of also having the numbers to support why local businesses are so important. 
as a local business owner, you are creating wealth generation for your family. A non-local business doesn't do that. Also, you're creating jobs for the local community too. Two out of three jobs are created versus a non-local business. And we find that sense of identity. We find that people are supporting one another. I think that sense of community is super important and it's echoed in Charleston. I'm from the Aiken Augusta area and I find that Charleston, it has a small town feel, even though we are definitely a lot larger, but we are a producing economy. And I love the fact that we have more local businesses than not. And mm-hmm. I think there's a, like I said, a sense of identity of supporting those people that we work with every day. And it's all about keeping our dollars circulating in our local economy. It's about making sure that as our community grows, that our dollars are staying here locally. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest questions that we get from membership. Wish we could take other businesses that are not headquartered mm-hmm. here locally, but if a business was headquartered in North Carolina, their dollars, they don't stay here in the local economy. They go yeah. right back to North Carolina. So they're not staying here so that we can use them in our schools and our pruning our roads mm-hmm. and our infrastructure. We want to not only have businesses pop up, we want businesses to stay here sure. too. So, so on the theme of staying here, you, you talk to a lot of local businesses. Obviously, that's, uh, that's your, your job. What's the best reason you've heard to build a business here in Charleston? Ooh, that's a You can answer that a couple different ways. We can give stats. We can just give anecdotal. On any given day, we speak with a lot of different businesses, a lot of different business owners. Some who are thriving, some who are up against defeatable challenges, but challenges nevertheless. And I think that there are a few themes that occur time and again when we're thinking about why build a business in Charleston, why put all this time and effort and investment into it. Charleston is a really special place for a lot of reasons. It's at this really interesting precipice of enormous growth, enormous development, enormous opportunity. And I think with that comes enormous responsibility to make sure that we're building a space that is inclusive for everyone and empowers the inhabitants of Charleston. That's a big responsibility. There are a lot of different ways to do that, and business is one way to do that, leveling the playing field so that small businesses have a say in this creation of a brighter future for Charleston. Wealth generation is important, and so being a reliable generator of wealth, income, and jobs is something that local businesses can kind of plant their flag in, Mm -hmm. and so that's super important. Being a family that has been able to accumulate and generate wealth over generations is really important for upward mobility and is just really important for a city's equitable growth. And so I think Charleston, for all of these reasons and all these factors, is at this kind of hinge point in history, in its own history. And I think that does everything right. And if local business centers come together in positive ways and we all try to make and affect positive change socially and politically and otherwise, I think really cool things can happen. I think it's a really exciting place to be in time and space right now. Very cool. And it doesn't cost that much compared to other states to mm-hmm. open your business here. When I opened my business, granted I was more service-based than not, I think I paid $110 to register my business mm-hmm. online. Um, I think people love that. There's some low-cost for startups mm-hmm. um, or business to be here and people want to have your business at the beach. Sure. I mean, we're two hours from the mountains, maybe three, and we're right yeah. here at the Qual- beach. So. Quality of life can be part of the calculation too. Why is it a good reason to start a business down here? 
being able to go to the beach might not play directly into the balance sheet and the bottom line. But yeah, if you can run your business from the beach, then then God bless you, who am I to tell you not to? So let's talk a little bit about co-working. I know this is a podcast. You can't see where we're sitting, but you know we're sitting in uh, Low Country Local First offices outside. If you look out the window from this conference room, there's you know, 15, 20 small, medium-sized companies that are banging away on their keyboards and creating their own dream. And just for some posterity, if you're listening to this podcast a couple of years from now, it's October 3rd. We've all just watched WeWork do a dramatic run to the finish line for their IPO and then pull back and become publicly ripped apart. So co-working's really been in the news leading up into this interview. So let's talk a little bit about co-working. You do have a co-working platform. Who benefits in the co-working environment? So our co-working mission is a little bit different from that of the for-profit like we were or other co-working options that are out there. We like to consider our co-working opportunity and outgrowth of our core mission at Low Country Local First. It is something we're very proud of, but it's by no means the centerpiece of everything we do structurally and physically because it is attached to our Low Country Local First offices. It is the epicenter of our organization. But in terms of mission, it is something that is peripheral and ancillary to what we are doing as an organization. So it is just one more way, it is just one more initiative Mm -hmm. that we have that allows us to watch companies come together and create and collaborate and do amazing things that they couldn't do alone. So we like to think that we're setting up a collaborative space. Who benefits from Nijewski? Who benefits mm-hmm. from co-working? Yeah. I think everyone. In an ideal world, everyone is, is, is benefiting from co-working. Just last year, four different companies who were associated uh, with our space grossed revenue in excess of a million dollars. There were 99 new businesses formed last year. We've got food trucks always coming out, so we're encouraging our coworkers to patronize those food trucks. I think 12 came out last year. Very cool. Uh, I may be skipping ahead here. That's okay. I mean, you're skipping ahead to the point where I'm, I get really hungry, but uh, <laughs> uh, no. It's not time. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I had a little, a little snack before we started this interview, but I'm going to hit Lewis's up on the way back. For those who are not from the Charleston area, Lewis's barbecue is uh, just down the street on meeting, and it is, uh, well, it's exceptional. We have no lack of good food down here, but they're certainly in the top five. Yeah, and to Steve's point, I mean, we've had some fantastic local businesses that launched out of our co-working space. Lindsay and his crew, Low Country Street Grocery Bus, started out of our co-working space. Um, you might see them out in the community, or you might be a customer of theirs. When I think about just even the two years that I've been here, the amount of collaboration that has happened in this building has been really rewarding to see. Mm-hmm. I think it's one thing for us as employees to get the mission, but when your members are doing our mission themselves every day and it gives you the aha feeling of that our work that we do it's it's definitely impacting people's lives and their work and so um, shout out to Lindsay I love what he does but just to give you an example of one of the many businesses that have grown out of our space so to carry on the co-working theme of the next few questions we work is supposed to be a, a profitable company but they're not. They have some very public issues. You're a non-for-profit, and you touched on some of the things that make Low Country Local First you know, kind of unique. I want to get kind of an industry question from you, if, uh, if you can answer it as best you can. Is the co-working industry a sustainable industry? Perhaps not, but perhaps our version of it is. And it goes back a little bit to what I was talking about earlier. Because we are a non-profit, and because this is just one of many initiatives, many irons we have in the fire concurrently, 
we don't have to be relying on local works as our primary revenue stream, which is nice, which opens up really cool opportunities for us as an organization. So is co-working sustainable? I think so. It may not be the super profit-driving, profit-driven space that folks once thought it could be mm-hmm. uh, back in the wild west of co-working mm-hmm. days. It's, you know, who, who's next? We've got WeWork, we've got, you know, then WeWork started creating The Wing, which is their women's only variant. So there, there are tons of opportunities out there. I think the co-working uh, space kind of experts and managers and leaders of tomorrow who will succeed will be those who are looking at alternative methods of establishing a co-working space. I think we do a good job of that here at Local Works. Again, mm-hmm. we're low cost, contract free, professional workspace for local business leaders. We're looking for creativity and collaboration. Okay, I like it. Yeah, I don't know if you knew. We were one of the first co working spaces in Charleston. Yeah, I mean, that's a great yeah. thing. Yeah, an open sector as well. Yes. So we're inviting everyone in, and because we're open sector, because we're nonprofit, we're not beholden to those market rates that mm-hmm. may scare some yeah. folks off. And why are we here? At the end of the day, we want to be the co-working space for folks who, perhaps for one reason or another, cannot afford or cannot access other dependable, reliable, professional workspace. Okay, I like that. That leads me into uh, you know, the next question. If, if I'm listening to this podcast and I want to get involved, I want to learn more about the programming, maybe get some office space here. What's the best way for someone listening to this podcast to get involved with Low Country Local first? I guess I'll jump off with the membership and programming side and I'll let Steve jump in and, and also answer mm-hmm. that. Regarding membership, please come speak with Steve and I. We'll be happy to meet with you over coffee or come check out our local workspace. Mm-hmm. We have free coffee here provided by Coastal Coffee Roasters out of Somerville. But it's really easy. As long as you meet the criteria that we have, 50% of the ownership must be local here. You must be headquartered here in the low country. You must make your own local marketing and independent buying decisions and I always miss one but that's okay <laughs> it's but very easy all, to get involved in all the, us. all the more reason to reach out and contact yes. you and as always I'll, I'm going to put Steve and CT's uh, contact information in the show notes we'll, along with a little bit more about Low Country Local First so if you after listening to this podcast if you want to get in touch with either of our guests today you'll have those capacities and yes one, one other thing you talked about who was the coffee company you just mentioned I am Brad I'm out of okay. Somerville at Coastal Coffee Roasters okay I'm ever saying that right and not putting the rooster. <laughs> okay, that's, that's fine. I'm going to talk about uh, one of my favorite uh, low country local companies, a company called Pop Popcorn. Uh, they are a sponsor of the show, Carmen Moody. Yeah, she actually sent along some popcorn that I could give you as a gift. In my rush to get over here, I forgot it in the office, so I'll be dropping it off later. But just know it's my favorite popcorn, and I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of the show. My wife and kids can attest that I usually end most days with a handful or two. I, met, I saw Carmen at a um, BNI meeting the other day, and I connected her with Irvin, who just started his own company with his wife and kids called Holy City Healthy Vending. And Irvin came in here and introduced himself and his company to me, and I thought it was great, and I wanted to be a part of it. And I told him if you can find a way to fill up that vending machine with 50% or more local products. And we'd love to throw it right at this hall here, right down the way here. And he's like, well, let's do it. And so I sent him a bunch of our members over. He found a few new folks who would be interested. And then I connected Carmen and Irvin. So I'm hoping Pop gets into yeah. the vending machine sometimes. Ir- Irvin, if you're listening, give Carmen a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is where I typically wrap up and ask a final question. If you wouldn't mind giving me your vision for what you see Charleston, South Carolina being. 
Not all at once. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough question. To ask. Yeah. Uh, oh, goodness. I think for me, I would love to see the leaders of Charleston, our mayor, our city officials, backing our local independent businesses. I think for our city to sustain years from now, it's going to be because our local independent businesses are popping up left and right and taking over the city and creating jobs and helping push money back into our local economy. I would love to see Charleston become a lot more diverse than what it is now. I think a lot of diversity is great. It helps to move different cultural differences and it helps to even drive our spending habits and how we share our best practices and our own businesses or even just how we're able to become closer as a community. If I was mayor for Charleston and 2040, that's where I hope the city will be at that time. Excellent. Anything that, or is that pretty good? It's great. I mean, I would echo most of that. But yeah, more interconnection, more cross-sectoral interaction. I think a lot of our city can be siloed in many different ways. I think we are best when we find ways to meaningfully connect and drive conversations collaboratively. Equitable, inclusive growth. Again, back to that hinge point in history, I think we have an opportunity and an obligation to grow inclusively and equitably. And I look forward to seeing local businesses continue to rise to the challenge. Excellent. Well, guys, this has been a, a fantastic interview. I appreciate listening to all your thoughts. At this point, I typically have my Building Charleston pro tip. So no surprise, my Building Charleston pro tip this week is going to be to go local. There's nothing wrong with national businesses, but when you do go local, that money that you spend gets reinvested back into the Charleston ecosystem. When you buy local, it's your neighbors who win, and they in turn are more likely, more capable of investing back into the businesses that drive your livelihood. And round and round it goes. Uh, think of it this way. Every time Cali's Biscuits or Blueprint Insurance or Beacon Bank or Pop Popcorn, we've all been guests on this show, they earn your business and they earn those dollars. Those dollars stay right here. They provide better insurance policies for the people of the low country. They provide more money to lend, to even make more popcorn. When you hire a local commercial real estate business to help with your real estate needs, 100% of those commissions get reinvested back into Charleston to support things like a podcast. So we'll uh, just do a little shameless self-promotion. So with that, If you liked this episode and you want to hear more, please like our podcast and subscribe. Building Charleston publishes each week, and we have a lot more exciting interviews on deck. If you have a unique story that you think the world needs to know, please let me know, and we'll get you on the show. Finally, if you're a business in the low country and you're looking to expand or relocate your business, or if you're just coming to Charleston from outside the Charleston area and you're considering moving your business here, give me a call. I'll be happy to grow your business here in Charleston. One last time, thank you, Steve. Thank you, CT. You've been great. Go out there, everybody, and make it a great day. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com.